Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, I want to go back to a, a topic that I was on uh, in the Sunday before last. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6, and we are... Um, discussing how to develop a stronghold of the word. We took some time and we looked at how a stronghold can be a negative uh, thing that the weapons of our warfare are designed to pull down. But that is not the only stronghold that a person can have in their life. It's possible to develop a, a stronghold because of the elements or the ingredients that you use will determine <laughs> what kind of a stronghold it is. If you're using the ingredients of fear or the ingredients of doubt or the ingredients of, of something that, of, of unforgiveness or, or um, prejudice, any of those ingredients are going to build a stronghold of the enemy that needs to be pulled down. And I thought it was interesting because I ministered this with, with this congregation on the Sunday night that I was here previously, which was Sunday before last. And at the minister's conference this week, Brother Copeland talked about a stronghold of faith. And um, uh, Mac Hammond, and they were using my scriptures. I was like punching my husband. I used that scripture too. That, that was my scripture, you know, like you own those scriptures, you know, like they are, because, you know, but it was such an encouragement because it was a confirmation of something that God is speaking. I'd never really heard anybody use that phrase, a stronghold of the word, but we, we went through in my last session, and I encourage you, it's free of charge. You can get, uh, order the CD of it or get the podcast or watch the YouTube or the Roku video, but we talked about how the scripture refers to God as a stronghold, a refuge for, for those in time of trouble. That the name of, the G, the name of Jesus is a strong tower or a stronghold, a refuge. You can run into the name. You can run into God and he is a refuge. He is a fortress. He is a stronghold. Nahum 1.7 says he is a stronghold in the day of trouble. Amen. And so with, with that idea of God's word developing in our lives, strongholds of, of faith and strongholds of our salvation and strongholds of righteousness, we recognize this is something we have to take the time because it does take that attention and that time to establish these things in our life as, as strong, uh, fortified positions of how we believe. Strong, fortified positions that are, are not just opinions, but they are forces of faith that are established in our heart to protect us, like that shield of faith that comes up 
that, that quenches all of the fiery darts or missiles of the enemy. So here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about thoughts we should not accept. He is talking about the Amplified brings out specifically uh, anxious thought. I want to look first at verse 25. 625 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no anxious thought, the Amplified says. It says stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. But here I like the phrase, take no thought, because that puts it back on us, doesn't it? That there are thoughts we are not supposed to take. There are thoughts, you don't have to take every thought that is presented to you. As a matter of fact, when we become believers, we realize the importance of examining the thoughts before we let them gain entrance into our life, right? We, we take those thoughts and we say, wait a minute, does that pass a, the standard of God's Word for it to have mental real estate in my mind, for me to give it activity and let it have to gain access to my thought processes. Am I going to let that thought in to affect the way I think? And that is part of the renewing of the mind, isn't it? When we train ourselves to renew the mind, and in the beginning, renewing the mind is a... It seems daunting. It's really not. It's just because... When we first get saved, the mind is generally full of wrong thoughts. <laughs> and every thought that you're like, oh my goodness, I think that way and it's not in line with the word. And so we're just, and you remember the story I told you about one of the first jobs I had when we moved to the Kansas City area. I worked for a management company that managed lots of homes. And when someone would move out or someone would be evicted, my responsibility was to go and get the house ready for the next tenant. And so I would have to uh, clean it and paint it and fix any different light fixtures or electrical outlets or just minor kind of, of maintenance things. And generally, generally, it took me an entire day to get their trash out because evidently they didn't care if they got their deposit back or not. Because they, they, they all just, just get that to deposit to pay her paycheck because it took an entire day and usually a box of trash bags to get the trash out of those people's houses. I mean, they would leave food in the refrigerator and the, the electricity would be off so it would stink, you know, and be molded food. They would leave, you know, old clothes. And, and, uh, and so I would spend that first day just trashing the house out. That's what we called that. It. it was just trash out day. And so just gathering it all. And that's what happens when you're renewing your mind. That first few months in the Word of God, depending on how much time and attention you're giving to it, you're just going through and sifting through those wrong thoughts and saying, whew, that's got to go. I can't think that way anymore. I can't hold on to that unforgiveness. I can't think like that anymore. I'm just, don't you talk to me. I, I can't think that thought anymore. I got I to gotta take that whole thing away, you know, and I've got to walk in love and I've got to forgive people who do me wrong and I've got, wow, I got a lot of renewing of the mind. But once you get it all cleaned out, it's a lot easier to maintain it. 
And, and so the renewing of the mind continues, but it's not nearly as, as strenuous <laughs> as that first few months of getting your mind in line with the Word of God. And a renewed mind cooperates so much quicker with the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The person whose mind is renewed is in a position to immediately respond when the Holy Spirit begins to give you a guiding or, or to direct you in a certain way because it is usually the unrenewed mind that wants to argue what is reasonable <laughs> or, or is that me or is that God? And so the renewing of the mind is beneficial. But when we're talking about building a stronghold, we're looking and we're seeing how the enemy is successful in building strongholds in people's lives. And we see it right here. Jesus said, take no thought. Take no thought. If a person takes the thought, that's how the enemy builds yep. the stronghold in their mind. When they take the wrong thoughts, it allows, it's like taking a brick for the enemy to build his building with. And every wrong thought just builds upon the other. You know, it's, it's in the same way that every, every truth of God's word, you know, it, 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 I saw a sign one time in a chiropractor's office and it said, every visit builds on another. And I thought, we need that in the front of every church. Yeah. Every church needs that sign. Yeah. And it had a picture of a person laying a walkway of brick. And every time you come to church, bricks are laid that help you see clearer the path to walk. Well, the same is true for the enemy's path. You remember we talked a little bit, and I think I actually gave a, an incorrect definition when I, I was talking about this last time. The word devil is not a name. It is a description of how he operates. It is, it is uh, the word diabolos in the original Latin or, or Greek language. And it means to hit continually. To hit continually. And the second one is to pierce. Okay? The second, the, so those two words, to, to hit continually and to pierce. And the purpose, of the, it, so it describes how he works. He comes against the mind continually with pressure, with wrong thoughts, with, with fears, with, uh, and he's hitting. What is he trying to do? He's trying to pierce. He's trying to pierce so that he can penetrate the mind with that wrong thought. Now, what I said last time that we were teaching this, I, I said to build a road. That's the word wiles. When it says we are not ignorant of his uh, uh, strategies. We are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of the wiles of the devil. That word wiles, the word strategy is the word when it says we are not ignorant of his devices or strategies. It is the word that means to build a road. It's of the same root word where we get the word um, uh, uh, odometer that measures the distance on the road. It means to, to build a road. So he comes in against the mind and he beats against the mind for the purpose of penetrating the mind so he can build a road of wrong thinking in that person's mind. Amen? So when Joyce Myers wrote the book, The Battlefield of the Mind, she was right. <laughs> she was right. It, it is that area of the mind because the devil can't, 
get in your your life except that he have your cooperation because you have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are created new. You are righteous in the sight of God. You are, are uh, um, filled with the spirit of God. Yeah. So for him to be able to gain any advantage over you, it has to come through deception. And the only way he can bring the deception is to get in the mind and build a road of wrong thinking in the mind. So Jesus said that we've got to become proficient in refusing wrong thoughts. Take no thought, no anxious, worried thought. Don't take it. Don't take it. Say it out loud. I won't take wrong thoughts. So he identifies how they are taken. Let's use, for instance, in verse 31. It says, therefore, take no thought saying. Saying brings the thought into my possession. Take no thought saying. What shall we eat? What, shall, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? What if this happens? What? Take no thought. Don't take the thought with your mouth. If a thought comes, you can resist it. A lot easier at thought level. You can resist it and use your weapons like Jesus did and open your mouth and say, it is written. That's how Jesus resisted wrong thoughts. The enemy came to him and he wanted him to take thoughts. He said... If you be the Son of God, that was the thought he was trying to get Jesus to take. If you be the Son of God, if you be the Son of God, he was trying to get him to take that doubt of whether or not he was the Son of God. If you be the Son of God, but do you notice Jesus didn't mentally resist him? He didn't ignore him. He didn't, when, when we say casting down imaginations, a lot of people think they do that here. But Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't do it here with his head, with his thoughts. He didn't cast down a, a thought with a thought. What did he use to cast down a thought with? He used God's word, didn't he? He opened up his mouth and he said, it is written. And he had to deal with enemy's thoughts with a verbal Audible resistance. Uh, audible resistance using the word of God. He, he, he didn't argue. He didn't argue with word for word. He argued scripture against that doubt. He took God's word. Jesus whipped the devil with Deuteronomy. Every response of Jesus came out of Deuteronomy. And we've got Colossians. We've got Ephesians. We've got, whoa, we got first and second Corinthians. We've got some, we've got, we got bullets. We've got, we're loaded, right? But we've, it, there, it's not going to do us any good unless they're in our mouth. And it, it, it's acceptable for you to get it off the page and put it in your mouth. <laughs> That'll work too. Even if you haven't memorized it yet, you can just find, you say, I know it's in here and I own a concordance and I know how to use it. Blue Letter Bible is my friend. Blue Letter Bible is an app where you can find all the Strong's Concordance. So you can just put a word in and it'll tell you where it is in the Bible. 
by translation. So if you want, where is that in the King James? Woo! Right there you are. Right? So even if you haven't memorized the scripture, but you know there is a, a scripture that promises me that God will save my children. Where is that? And you go to Blue Letter Bible or whatever and look for it in your app or in your concordance and you find it and you read it off the page, that's acceptable to resist with. Amen? Amen? And so he said, don't take the wrong thoughts by saying. So there are thoughts we should not accept and there are things that we should direct our mind toward correctly. Because in both of these instances, Jesus said, take no thought by saying, but then he said, think about this instead. Consider the lilies. Consider the birds. So when the enemy is trying to direct our thoughts in a certain way, we, we resist it verbally, audibly with God's word, and then we put our mind on the right thing. And we don't just leave it just randomly where, what, you know, no. Now I'm going to put my mind on the provision of God. I'm going to put my mind on that promise. I'm going to put my mind on the correct thing, and I'm going to make my mind stay attentive there. Amen? Amen? So this is what Jesus was teaching them. Thoughts you shouldn't take and then redirect your mind to think in line with the provision or the promise of God. The um, next place I want to look at, and this is something that we touched on last week, but it's important for us to see it again. In 2 Corinthians 10, let's look again at this list of what the weapons of our warfare are mighty to accomplish. It says in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. The weapons of our warfare are not of the, the flesh. They're not carnal, but they're mighty. The weapons are mighty through God to do the following, to pull down strongholds. Number two, to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we've got pull down, cast down. Number three, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Pull down, cast down, bring into captivity. Pull down, cast down, bring into captivity. And again, these are not mental weapons. He told us that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Well, the mental arena could be a carnal arena. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're going to work in the mind. They'll work on your mind. Amen? But they're not of the mind. They're not of the flesh. They're not of the natural human will. They are of the spirit. The weapons of our warfare are the Word of God. We know the Word of God is the, uh, the Ephesians 6 list that we have been given of the armor of God. The sword is the sword and, the, and what Brother uh, Rick Renner refers to as the lance when it talks about prayer. Those are the two that are, are offensive weapons. All of the rest is a defense, a protection, right? 
but the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, that's the spoken rhema word, right? The word that we have in our heart and we speak out of our mouth. He says that is a weapon. The weapons, we know we have the authority of Jesus' name. Amen. We know the blood of Jesus is for us. So the, and, and we know that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. Amen? So, so these are spiritual. They're spiritual. And they are the applications that need to be used when we're dealing with strongholds with things that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, with thoughts that are, are disobedient thoughts, thoughts that go contrary to the promise of God or to the, the working of the Word in our life. And so we've got to pull the... That's why it's appropriate to plead the blood of Jesus over your mind. Yeah. He said that you can, with the blood of Jesus, it will purge your conscience to serve God. Purge your conscience. Amen. That's an application of the blood. That's the faith in the blood. And so these spiritual weapons are not going to be operated without your spirit. Your spirit speaking. You are a speaking spirit. Your spirit utilizing the spoken word, applying the blood of Jesus requires your spirit to speak. You can't apply the blood with a thought. You have to open up your mouth and authorize the application of the blood. I plead the blood over this area. It has, there has to be a verbal print, a, a voice print. Do you know that every word that's ever been spoken is still... They, none of them have gone away. Scientists have proven that those words go out and they just continue. When you speak and say, I receive Jesus as my Lord, that is on record. Praise God. Praise God. God can press rewind and say, I have, I have it. I have it. And then we can say, no, they didn't give their life to... I have it on record. Amen? So these have to be spiritually applied spiritually including our voice activating this spiritual releasing out uh, our authority releasing our faith hallelujah so those are the incorrect strongholds but in the same way we can take God's word and we can bring his his thoughts Mm -hmm. into our life with those thoughts, we can create God imaginations. Yeah. Like God imaginations. Of How many of you have, have ever had the enemy try to make you see? It's almost like a video of your children going away from God and never coming to God or something, something, you know, something bad happening to them. Have you ever like seen a video? You know, it's, it's, if you will meditate on the promise, you'll start seeing a video of them in church with the glory of God shining through them as their hands are lifted, as they're looking through their Bible. Maybe God will even give you an image of them stepping up behind the pulpit, opening up the Holy Scripture and start to preach. Woo! I like that. 
How about we just let God have some videos? Give him, let, I don't want to play any doubt videos, any fear videos. I'm talking about imaginations. Imagination. So the enemy brings wrong thoughts to try to get those imaginations that have, they have like scenery in them. They have details in those imaginations. But God's imaginations are just as available to us and even more so because that's his will for us. That we begin to see our lives with a God imagine, with, with a God picture plan, a video of what God wants for us. Amen. And so to do that, we can, we're going to have to spend time in the Word to develop these imaginations to the point that it becomes a stronghold, a stronghold of health, a stronghold of, of financial security, a stronghold of uh, our marriages being, being stalwart, a stronghold of the Word concerning every area of our life. Amen? So... God put his thoughts in his words. We looked at Isaiah 55. We'll go back there for, for uh, just a moment. God put his thoughts in his words. He begins in uh, Isaiah 55 uh, uh, verse 10. Let's start in 10. Actually 8. For as my, my thoughts are not your thoughts... Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So in these two verses, we see God talking about thoughts and ways and comparing the thoughts and ways that he possesses to the thoughts and ways of a, of a person who is just walking in the human ability or the human understanding. He says, he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways and my thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts. My ways are higher, but at the same time, he is prompting us to take his thoughts and take his ways. He's not telling us we can't operate them. He's encouraging the wicked man to forsake that way and take God's way. The unrighteous man to forsake his thoughts and take God's thoughts. Amen? So God is saying, my ways are higher and I want you to take my ways so you can, my thoughts and my ways so that you can walk in them and think them because then you'll have my results in your life. And then it says in the very next verse, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word. Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about ways and thoughts. Where did we switch? God is still talking about ways and thoughts and he's telling you where he put them. God put his ways and he put his thoughts in his word so that we can sow them into our life, so that we can receive the watering of the Word in our life, and it will make our life bring forth and bud. It forces production in your life. Yeah. Hallelujah. It forces kingdom production in yeah. your life. Yeah. He says, my Word will make your life bring forth and bud. It says the earth, what does Jesus say in the parable of the sower? The seed is the word, 
Where's the earth? Where's the ground? The heart of the person who's receiving the seed. So he said that his word will make the heart bring forth and produce productivity, kingdom productivity. If you sow a tomato seed, what is going to come up? A tomato seed. If you sow an apple seed, what is going to come up? An apple tree. If you sow a peace seed, what's going to come up? Peace. Peace. Hallelujah. If you sow light, what's going to come up? A light tree. Light fruit. Amen. When you begin to go to the Word of God and you're looking for the specific thing that you need to eat in your life, the specific area that you need to, to have a provision in your life, it could be wisdom, it could be peace, it could be uh, uh, believing for your children's salvation, Any, whatever the case may be, there's a seed for that. He said, it will cause kingdom production. My word will not return empty. It will produce if you'll put it in your heart. Yeah. And it, what is it going to produce? His ways yeah. and his thoughts. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's see what happens when we put his word in our heart. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Actually, we'll start in 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Now, you know, if God ever asks you, it's not because he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know what you're looking at. He wants you to, he wants to, he wants you to hear what you think you know. Jeremiah, what do you see? Are you seeing this correctly? Where's your perception on this? Because if it was wrong, God would have corrected him. What do you see? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Can you show me amplified of that verse? I see a rod of an almond tree. What does that mean to us? What would an almond tree represent? In the Amplified Bible, it says that the almond tree, he said, I see a branch or the shoot of an almond tree. Is there another verse? The emblem of alertness woo, and activity. Yeah. So that, that's what, when he said an almond tree, he, he was recognizing the, what it's representing. It, it is a symbol of alertness and activity. God says, what do you see? I see... That which symbolizes alertness and activity. And God said, you see that correctly. You're seeing that, that you have well seen. You're seeing that correctly. And this is why I will hasten my word to perform it. The Amplified says, I am alert and active watching over my word. God is alert and active watching over his word. Now, can I tell you this? He's not watching over the word that's in the pages of your Bible. He's watching over the word that's in your heart. He's watching over the word that you've sown in your heart because God is the great husbandman. 
the great gardener, right? God is a gardener. God is a harvester. He sowed one seed that's still coming up every time somebody receives Jesus as Lord. He's still getting harvest on the greatest seed he ever sowed, which was his son Jesus. God is a harvester and he, he, his word is so, um, God's word, God is so interested and connected with his word, he watches over it. God, God doesn't leave his words laying around and say, Oh, I lost my word. What did I do with that 1 Peter 2, 24? Where did that go? I, no, no. If, there, if God has his word out on something, he's got his eye on that. He's watching over that. He's active where that's concerned. Remember what it says concerning the word in Hebrews chapter 4? It says the word is alive and active. 412. Pull me up 412 and give me the amplified if you could. It says... The word is energizing in one translation. The word is alive and active. It is an active force. Hebrews 4, talking about the word. God is watching over his word and the word itself is alive. It is active, operative, energizing and effective. The word that God speaks is active. It is active. Where is it active? Not here. Not here. This isn't what he's watching over. He's watching over the word in you. The word you've been putting in you. Amen? Hallelujah. Making it active. Making it operative. God doesn't have a word that doesn't work. He he doesn't have to have anybody on the factory Lines doing quality checks on what's coming out of the word factory. And saying, okay, we got to check God's word to make sure that there's not any in here that have malfunctioned. God does not have a malfunctioning word. He doesn't have any duds that are just, you know, blanks and they don't have any power in them. They are active and operative, energizing and effective. But they have to be in the ground... A seed has to be in the ground. That's why the word has, that's why the whole, the whole focus of the parable of the sower is the ones that brought forth 30, 60, and 100 were the ones that kept it in the ground. Yeah. The, the, it didn't fall by the wayside. The stones didn't choke it out. The weeds didn't choke it out, right? But it was able to, to stay in the ground until the productivity, until it had its effectiveness and brought forth a harvest, and then it brought forth 30, 60, and 100-fold return. Amen? Amen? So God is watching over His Word. He will hasten His Word to perform it. He is alert and active watching over the Word that we have in our hearts. In Isaiah 48, verse 9 and 10, Isaiah 48, 9. 
I don't think that's the one I want. I'm going to look at the one next to it. Hallelujah. Go uh, to Numbers 23, and I will check my reference here on this. Richard, would you do me a favor and search in the Bible back there for um, I have spoken and see if you can find an Isaiah scripture that comes back with I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. We're going to go to Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19. It says here concerning God, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. And that word repent means to change his mind or to turn and go in a different direction. It says, has he said and shall he not do it? Let me specify that word repent because there were times that God turned from a direction that he was going. For instance, when... um, when Hezekiah prayed and God gave him more time. This word repent means uh, to change for his benefit, to make it easier upon himself. Okay, so God is not a man that he is going to compromise his plan to make it easier upon himself. He will follow it out. So when it says repent, I just wanted to qualify that. It says God has he said and shall he not do it or has he spoken and shall he not make it good this is establishing the character of God for the people that they're speaking to God is not going to make it easier upon himself he's not going to lie and he's not going to twist it he's not going to cheat on his taxes so he doesn't have to pay so much He's not going to make it easier upon himself, right? Has he said and shall he not do it? If God says it, if it's come out of his mouth, the power to accomplish it is available. If God says it, he will do it. That's why we, our faith is established on the word. That's why you can't have faith without scripture for it. Bible faith needs Bible. You can't have Bible faith without Bible. Somebody can say, well, I'm believing God that I'm going to own 10 10 oil wells. That's not, you can't find a scripture that says, thus saith the Lord, you shall own 10 oil wells. Or or somebody believing God for somebody else's spouse. or, Or there's no scripture for that. For you to have faith that comes from the word, you need the word to provide the faith. Why? Because this is why. If God has spoken it, then it is His will and He will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. Hath He spoken and shall He not make it good? Hallelujah. If God has spoken it, He will fulfill that which He has spoken. Hallelujah. Were you able? Thank you. Uh, can, were you able to find uh, the scripture I was looking for in Isaiah? 
Oh, praise the Lord. 48.15. I was a few scriptures off there. <laughs> I was over at 9, I think. 48.15. I, uh, even I have spoken. I've called him, I've brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. That's still not the one I was wanting. Hallelujah. 46.11. We'll try that one. I could have written it down wrong. It could be the very one. That has happened before. Hallelujah. That's the one I want. 46, 11. Hallelujah. I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. Hallelujah. And, and that's why I wanted 9 through 11. We start back in verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all in my pleasure. So now we're seeing... God establishing of his character. He says, I declare things from the beginning how they're going to turn out in the end. And it's in the declaring that he establishes how it's going to turn out. And he said, my counsel shall stand. His counsel shall stand. He said, I will do all my pleasure. Remember what he said in Isaiah 55, it will accomplish what I please. The word that I send out, it will accomplish what I please. So how does God get his, his, what he wants or his will? Through his word. Calling a ravenous bird from the east and the man that executes my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Hallelujah. So this is what happens when we establish the word of God in our heart God is watching over it to bring it to pass Amen. he says they've got my word on it it's going to come to pass in their life yeah. and we also all, uh, often look at our responsibility of holding the word and keeping the word but uh, I want us to see God's interest in the word that you have in your heart <laughs> uh, God gave you his word so you'd put it in your heart so he could watch over it and bring it to pass He's like, he, just, just keep believing because I'm going to do it. Just hold on to that promise because I'm going to make it reality for you. Amen? So he, he is watching over his word to perform it. So Jesus said, take no thought by saying, taking the wrong anxious thought. But if we want to take God's thoughts, his words, we're going to have to say them, and we're going to close right here in uh, Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, 13 and verse 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, 5. Hallelujah. Now, the first part of this begins, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. But I want us to give emphasis on the second part of this verse. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that you may boldly say, 
Now, I want you to underline, he has said from verse 5. And I want you to underline in verse 6, so that we may boldly say. Because this is such an example. He is giving them an instruction about their life. Not to let their behavior be motivated by covetousness. But then he comes back to a principle that establishes godly behavior. He has said, so that we may boldly say. God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Do you see a stronghold that we've established here? God said something and I built it into my life. God said, He will never leave me or forsake me. So now I built a stronghold of that. I, I took that with my, with my mouth. I own that now. I I've, I've have it in my possession because I spoke it and I authorized it. I have verbally authorized God to heal me. I verbally authorized God to protect me. When I say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him do I trust surely. It, then, then the surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence and a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Why? Because you said something. Because you took possession of he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him do I trust. And now I have a stronghold. Amen. A stronghold of that protection. And that's what it's saying. He said, I'll never leave you. And so that you can take ownership of his protection. The Lord is my helper. He said it so that we would boldly say it. Boldly say it. So, So this stronghold is not going to take manifestation without your words. Without your voice, you're going to have to talk, not just read. And reading is good, but reading is not, is not speaking. Reading is, is studying, and we need to study to show ourselves approved. That's good. We need to study so we know what to say. Amen. I mean, reading, the reading, it tells me what I should be speaking. Amen. The more I read the Word of God, the more I know what to say, how to respond. But there has to be a speaking uh, of, of, of the scripture to bring it into my possession. Amen? Amen? So we're building a stronghold of the word. We're building a stronghold of the word. God has said so that we may boldly say. God has said no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper so that you may boldly say Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory. God has said, Great shall be the peace of your children, so that you may boldly say, The Lord, my children are disciples of the Lord, taught of the Lord. God saves my children. Hallelujah. The Lord has said so that you may boldly say. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
So the bold saying is the taking of that thought, which is the first part of developing the stronghold of the word. And the more that you are taking those thoughts with your speaking them, the more you are establishing them in your life, and the more they are building that that structure of protection for you, it's not just in the decisions that we make, that's a, a, a part of it, but it's in, it's in the atmosphere of our home, it's in the activity of our daily uh, affairs, it's that we are, we are no longer walking around wringing our hands trying to figure out this or figure out that, but we are in a flow of peace, yes. that we've got the peace of God that passes all understanding, guarding our heart and our mind because we have taken those thoughts and we have... have uh, taken every care and cast it upon the Lord. We don't carry them any longer. We are not care carriers. We do not carry care. We aren't authorized to carry care. If you get caught with any care, there's going to be a pat down and it is contraband. (laughs) If we catch you carrying care, it is kingdom contraband. And, and you're going to have to answer for that care. Cast it. Cast that care Amen. upon the Lord. And then bring every thought into obedience with the list that Philippians 4 provides for us. Whatsoever things are good. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Hallelujah. 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 And the peace of God that passes all understanding. Notice that comes after I've put the the right thought processes in place. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard. One translation, I think it's the Amplified, says mount a guard, a garrison. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. The, The guard over where? your heart, and your mind. Both of those need protecting. Guard the heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life, but we need the peace over our mind so that there's no entrance into the heart left open, that there's no access point for the enemy to come with those thoughts. Listen, if the thoughts... Are, are, you can't control the thoughts that come. You can't stop the devil from bringing the thoughts to you. But you can make your atmosphere uncomfortable for him to be in it. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm chapter 8 says that God has perfected praise to wear the enemy out. So that even a child or even an infant Christian who can't yet quote the word can wear the enemy out by exertion with praise. Hallelujah. So here's here's what I have learned in, in resisting the enemy. I'm going to resist with the scripture that I know. I'm going to recognize, I've trained myself to recognize the thoughts, to resist the thoughts, 
but then I also want to make my atmosphere conducive to the presence of God and not allow my atmosphere to just be open for the enemy to bring his heaviness into it. You've got to control the temperature in your house. And if it's heavy and down and, and if people are frustrated and kicking the cat and throwing their stuff down and wife's in there banging pots and pans, we need some, we need some joy in the house. We need some joy in the house. Why? Because it, it will lift that heaviness. Hallelujah. And, and it, it, it is a lot easier to maintain that uh, uh, freedom uh, from those, those antagonistic thoughts battering against your mind if you just keep your mind, I'm keeping my mind stayed on the Lord. My mind stayed on the Lord. Gonna keep my mind stayed on the Lord. He's my meditation night and day. It's what Isaiah says, that he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He keeps in perfect peace. And that is actually shalom, shalom. That is an established, perfected peace whose mind is stayed on him. Well, how do you keep your mind stayed on him? Sing. Declare his works. Hallelujah. Call on his name. Just get up in the morning and say, I declare the name of Jesus over my house. I declare Jesus is Lord. And then just say your address right there. I declare that the Lord, that Jesus Christ rules and reigns in this family. He is our king. Hallelujah. Begin, I'm, I'm, I'm going through those, those things we saw in Isaiah 12. Praise the Lord. Call upon His name. Declare His works among the people. Mention that His name is exalted, which is different than calling on His name. Calling on His name is, is calling for the, the authority of His name in that situation to come and help. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. But mentioning that His name is exalted is giving glory and honor to that name. Amen? Oh, glorying in the name. Hallelujah. And that atmosphere already sets up a distraction for the enemy, sets up uh, uh, barriers for him. Amen? And, and we have the advantage to pray in the Spirit. But if your mind is under attack, praying in the Spirit doesn't, doesn't resist the devil. It says if a man speaks in tongues, he speaks to God. He speaks mysteries, he speaks to God. Uh, it, it says that our spirit prays when we speak in tongues. But never does it say when a man speaks in tongues, he resists the devil. So if you're, if you're under a mental attack and it's coming against your mind with... And when you know those mental attacks come with real feelings. I think that's what catches a lot of people because it feels so real. Depression feels heavy. 
because those feelings are accompanying it. The enemy tries to convince people that it is effective and that it's, it's more real than what God said. But it's not. It's not. And for you to be able to resist that feeling that the enemy brings with that attack and to resist that attack, speaking in tongues is not the resisting of the enemy. Speaking in tongues is speaking mysteries, praying the perfect will of God. My spirit prays. I'm speaking unto God. But if I want to resist the enemy, praise, resist the enemy. It is, it is a, a, one of the ways for us to change and, to, and it, it takes governing over my atmosphere. How dare you bring that depression into my house? I mean, that's the attitude. If we catch it, we whoa, hey, 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 hey. No, no, no. We are not going to have strife in this house. We are going to have the love of God governing us. We are not going to have depression in this house when you catch it. I mean, catch it and confront it and confront it with a spiritual response. And worship is a great way to resist that heaviness. He says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So what do you do with the spirit of heaviness? You you take it off and put on something else. Would you stand up for just a moment and take your jacket off? Let's say, for instance, that this is joy. And Pastor Larry, he says, I need some joy. But I'm not going to rejoice because I don't feel it. He's not going to feel it till he puts it on. He can't feel this on him till he puts it on him. If he says, I'm not going to put it on till I feel it, he'll never have it. He'll never put it on. For him to say, I feel joy, he's going to have to first put joy on. And that's why when people say, well, I'm not going to lift my hands. I don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like rejoicing. I don't feel like it. Well, then you can't put it on till you, you're not going to feel it till you put it on. But if you'll put it on, then you'll feel it. Now he can feel it on him. Because why? He's putting it on. So you got to put on praise like a garment. Not waiting until you feel like praising God. That, that is, that is a, a, a backwards approach to one of the greatest instruments God has given us. If people say, I'm only going to rejoice if, if, the, if I just feel it. I mean, if something great happens, what? But that's only if something great happens. And so they got to wait till the next time something great happens. But joy is not supposed to be based on circumstances or occasions. Joy is your strength day and night. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So just get up and put it on. Don't feel, don't wait for feeling joy. If you'll put it on, the feeling will follow. But it will be a spiritual supply of a feeling. It'll be a spiritual. It, it, it won't just be a natural feeling that will fade when your heart rate goes back down from your jumping and shouting. That, 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 will, uh, uh, that, will, that will go away. That will dissipate. 
But the joy of the Lord is strength that when you put that on, it's going to stay with you. And that's why we've got to continually stir our hearts to rejoice, stir our spirit to uh, activate that joy. And in doing so, it causes that heaviness to lift. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He said, I've given you the oil of joy instead of mourning. Amen? Amen. It's not a feeling. It's a force. Oh, that could be a title of a book. It's not a feeling, it's a force. It's not a feeling. Joy is not a feeling. It's a spiritual force. Hallelujah. It's a spiritual strength. Hallelujah. 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 The joy of the Lord put on joy, put on the garment of praise to cause that heaviness to lift. And so if that mental bombardment or that heaviness, and you know, generally the heaviness doesn't happen all at once. You've heard me say it, but I'll say it again. It just comes little by little. Blue Monday, Hump Wednesday, Freaky Friday, and before you know it, before you know it, one day after the next, of just letting that heaviness of the, the, the way natural things want to go. And I'll tell you something else. The, the flesh, just the natural human flesh side, will lean that way if you let it. It will lean over in there. It, it, your flesh, its favorite thing is a pity party. Ooh. Everybody's flesh likes a pity party. But we don't, we don't allow what the flesh wants. If we're walking in the Spirit, what are we not walking in? The cravings of the flesh. What the flesh desires. If we're walking in the Spirit, joy is going to be a flow. If we're walking in the Spirit, the light of the Word is what's lighting our path. If we're walking in the Spirit, we'll be, we're building a stronghold of the Word in our life. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Did you see I closed some time ago? Stand with me to your feet.